0: Before we dive into this episode of HRD Masterclass, I'd like to take 30 seconds to share the exciting news that we're now seeking sponsors for Season 5 to release in 2024. This is a wonderful opportunity to support the podcast series and also share your message with 3,500 HRD listeners around the world. Sponsorship options cost just $750 and $600 per episode, And for full details, contact D-A-R-R-E-N at allbypodcast.com. Right, let's start the episode.
1: We have looked at learning so much from the perspective of trying to fix things, trying to improve weaknesses, improve deficits. What is still not right and how can we repair that?
0: Welcome to Human Resource Development Masterclass, the podcast series from the Academy of Human Resource Development, the organization that leads HRD through research. I'm your host, Darren Short, and here in our third season, we're exploring the relationship between HRD and other topics and disciplines, with the help of leading authors, researchers, and scholars. Today, our focus is the relationship between HRD and psychology and our guest scholars are Dr. Caleb Hyun Han of the University of Georgia in the United States, Dr. Kieran McFadden of Edinburgh Napier University in Scotland, and Dr. Marianne von Viercom of the Erasmus University in the Netherlands, all of whom join me for conversations recorded during July and August of 2022. Our episode today is structured into two halves. In the first 30 minutes, we look at what we mean by the term psychology and we take a high-level look at its relationship to work, the workplace and HRD. And then in the second 30 minutes, we dig deeper into that relationship between psychology and HRD. You can find out all about the questions explored in the episode, the three guest scholars and also the episode sponsor by visiting allbypodcast.com forward slash psychology talking of sponsorship human resource development masterclass is only made possible thanks to the wonderful support of our sponsors who cover all of the costs associated with the series and so enable us to release them free of charge to listeners like you i encourage you to show your thanks by checking them out and letting them know just how much their sponsorship means to you Today's episode is sponsored by the Department of Technology, Leadership and Communication in the Purdue School of Engineering and Technology at IUPUI and by the Board of the Academy of Human Resource Development. The first half of the episode is sponsored by the Department of Technology, Leadership and Communication in the Purdue School of Engineering and Technology at IUPUI with a focus on practical, real-world, industry-relevant learning experiences and flexible scheduling. The programs offered by the Department of Technology, Leadership and Communication empower students to become transformational leaders and exemplary technical communicators. Their adult student-friendly certificates and degree programs will help you advance your career to the next level, sharpening your leadership skills and helping you to stay at the top of your field. Choose from offerings in Leadership Studies, Human Resource Management, Sustainable Leadership, Project Management, Organizational Leadership and more. Students can enroll in Fall, Spring and Summer semesters. Classes are offered online and in person. For more information visit et.iupui.edu departments slash TLC. Right, let's dive into the episode. Welcome to our episode on HRD and psychology, and let's start by meeting today's three guest scholars. First, I'd like to welcome Caleb Seung-hyun Han, Associate Professor of Learning, Leadership and Organization Development at the University of Georgia. Caleb's research work uncovers and tests the mechanisms by which individuals learn and develop from others' expertise and experiences at work. His primary focus is in individual-level learning within organizations by exploring how this learning is influenced by interpersonal relationships and interactions in organizations. Welcome, Caleb. Hello, everyone. Good to be here. The second guest for the episode is Kieran McFadden, Associate Professor in Human Resource Management and Organizational Behaviour at Edinburgh Napier University in Scotland. His research, teaching and praxis focuses on equality, equity, diversity and inclusion and takes a cross-disciplinary approach that involves HRD, sociology, labour economics and psychology. Particularly specialising in LGBTQ workplace inclusion and discrimination, Kieran was a visiting Fulbright Scholar at the Williams Institute at UCLA, where he researched labour market discrimination against trans job applicants. He currently serves on the Board of Directors of the Academy of Human Resource Development and is a Fellow of the Global Labour Organisation. Welcome, Kieran. Thanks, Dara, and it's good to be here to talk to you today. And the third guest for the episode is Marion von Wirkamp, Professor of Positive Organizational Psychology at the Erasmus University Rotterdam, the Netherlands, and affiliated with the Department of Human Resource Studies Tilburg University, also in the Netherlands. The well-being and development of workers are central themes in her research. Inspired by positive psychology, she's intrigued by the question of what happens if we take individual strengths instead of their deficits or weaknesses as the starting point for developmental processes. Marianne publishes her research in journals like the Journal of Applied Psychology and the Journal of Occupational and Organizational Psychology. Welcome, Marianne.
1: Thanks, Darren. Thanks for having me and great to be here.
0: Well, I'd like to start off our conversation by exploring the term psychology so that listeners are clear on that ready for when we dig deeper into the relationship between psychology and HRD. So what do we mean by that term psychology?
2: Psychology can be defined in various ways to gain a broad understanding of the nature of a psychology. Let me take the simplest but most informative definition provided by Miller. That is a psychology is a scientific study of behaviors, thoughts, and emotions. Based on this general definition, various disciplines have applied the principles of a psychology differently. Psychology is a science, that is, it involves the systematic investigation, so that theory and practice can be based on verifiable evidence rather than gut feeling or intuition we have. So basically, psychology encompasses a wide range of biological influences, social pressures, and environmental factors that affect how people think, react, and feel. It helps us get better insight into how people act as well as why they act the way they do. The field of psychology has many specialty areas. In reality, psychology is very diversified with many specialized interests. For example, developmental psychology focuses on developmental behavior over the lifespan that concerns the ways uh, in which people grow and change psychologically. Cognitive psychology focuses on uh, cognitive functioning, our thought processes. It studies human thinking, cognition, and how the mind works. For example, in human resource development, we may apply the technology in how well people remember information and the process knowledge acquired in the training or education program. On the other hand, social psychology studies the human social behavior, how our behavior, thoughts, and emotions are mutually associated with other people. Psychology in human research development. It is not just a simply the application or extension of a psychological principles to the problems concerning human resource development, but it helps us connect with others and can mean the difference between work-life and the life of challenges that have gone unnoticed in our world. I think at a certain point, I felt HLD should have a unique perspective on psychology, that is psychology is concerned with the behavior in organization that keeps the human resource development to focus on the, the individual. This view assumes that people are consistently different in their attributes and individual behaviors, and in information about these individual differences can be applied to, to predict, maintain, and increase work performance and job satisfaction.
3: And to, just to add to Caleb's uh definition of psychology and and to add to the depth of of different branches of uh, psychology that that he's outlined we can also see maybe different flavors of psychology as they're applied to different uh, other different disciplines so um, obviously today we're going to talk about uh, hrd and, and that relationship we can also look at how psychology has improved um, and uh deepened our understanding of other things like uh, other disciplines like economics for example behavioral economics coming in in the 1970s. So it's a complex field. It's a complex, uh, there's complex subfields there. I guess I would agree with Caleb there that there's no one simple definition of psychology, just uh, it's an overarching uh, banner which can be applied to many different contexts uh, between individuals, uh, between uh, social groups uh, in in the workplace or outside of the workplace, and of course, to the organization as well.
1: Yeah, maybe maybe it's also good to say something about research methods that are predominantly used in psychology and that is of course depending I guess of the stream of psychology uh, that you work in but in general I would say that psychology has a strong focus on measuring psychological constructs and also uh, on applying uh, statistics to find relationship between different psychological constructs. And another method is uh, doing experiments lab- in the lab or in the field.
0: So, so we're going to eventually get to a point of digging deep into the connection between psychology and HRD, but but I'm wondering if that's too big of a first step and whether it's helpful to take a half step and to explore the relationship between psychology and the concepts of work and the workplace, and also how that relationship between psychology, work, and the workplace has potentially changed over recent years so, so what are your thoughts about the relationship between those so yeah if we start with this second part of that
3: question about how the relationship has changed over the years and we go back to what's all often marked as the beginning of management theory and and looking at work in a more uh, scholarly sense we look at um, Taylorism we look at Frederick Taylor and his time in motion studies with with the, the Gilbrets and uh, we look at Fordism how to divide a job into uh, equal tasks, individual, discrete tasks, how to reduce the complexity of the work and how to make it easy that anyone can come along and pick pick up those skills, pick up those jobs, do those tasks in a relatively easy manner, all with this aim to increase efficiency, to increase productivity, and of course then to help help profits. Um, The profit motive is kind of over everything here. And so then we have kind of psychology coming in, um, maybe at the start of the human relations movement uh, with Elton Mayo, uh, looking at organizational culture. And he's really pointing towards the aspects that we now think of uh, as psychology in terms of individual uh, psychology and the individual being, uh, the social aspects of the workplace, and then the the workplace itself and the organizational culture and uh, the workplace climate. Uh, And so he's really then starting to look at how can that affect people's again, efficiency and productivity in the workplace, how does that affect how they work? And I think over time, and there was a bit of a hiatus during the war years, but over time, and then especially post-war, World War II, we started to look at how we can use psychology, again, to simplify our understanding of the human being at work. So rather than simplifying the task, we're not looking at simplifying the worker and dividing them into discrete units like personality, uh, motivation, job satisfaction. We're looking at social aspects as well, dividing the social aspect of the workplace into discrete units, like uh, leadership, teamwork, and things like that. And then we're dividing the the organization into discrete units, the organizational culture, the work conditions, uh, and, and the climate and the reward systems in place, So again it's all about trying to simplify with the aim of increasing efficiency and increasing productivity uh, which might be a bit of a cynical view uh, but then i think it becomes exacerbated uh, with the move towards neoliberalism in the 1970s onwards across many countries uh, in the world um, and then more laterally with with late stage capitalism this drive towards efficiency and effectiveness and utilizing psychology to to help that drive. So again, the profit motive coming in overall there. um, And of course, we've seen clashes between the organization's profit motive and the individual's own uh, motives towards well-being. But psychology has, in my view, been encouraged and uh, work psychology, in particular industrial psychology, the study of that has been encouraged with an aim to seek the profit motive and to help the profit motive. Uh, But perhaps that's maybe too cynical.
1: Yeah, in, in my view, psychology started being very service oriented, focusing on uh, organizational interests, interests of managers. So helping organizations to screen and select uh, the best uh, workers. But I think that throughout time, gradually, it became more, more involved with the complexity of uh, of behaviors and emotions of, of workers in organizations their motivation their engagement their health their well-being but also more concerned with dynamics in teams issues of diversity equality inclusion so yeah maybe i'm less cynical but i i, I think there has been a change as well I
2: think uh, the work is uh, frequently taken for granted rather than questioned or uh, thought about deeply. Although uh, uh, the concept of the work and workplace is uh, deeply rooted in psychology, it has been regarded as something that we have to do in our lives. So these days, we put more value on work-life balance. Work is regarded as a source of personal fulfillment. The rekindling the concept of a psychology, I think it raises a more general questions about the importance of a cognitive and affective mental processes for understanding work. Depending on the context and uh, situation, the relationship between work and psychology has been changed, I think. Uh, recently, the t- topic of uh, equality and justice and fairness is, is a prominent example. Simply speaking, uh, as it, uh, as it uh, manifested in perception that workers are excluded, interned, vilified, masculinated in the workplace, fairness, that concept, uh, becomes the most important topic today. It, it focuses on the perceived fairness of outcomes and procedures, for example, the use of a consistent standards and objective information in performance evaluation and giving employees opportunity to voice their own are believed to enhance individual perceptions of justice and inequity. That predicts employees' uh, work attitude and work-related behaviors. Uh, Psychology principles have uh, provided a rich range of uh, cognitive and effective elements of work, from individual differences in intellectual ability to the importance of uh, attitudes, emotions, and behaviors. In that way, it highlights the cognitive and affective processes that individuals experience when they work. Furthermore, this explanation allows us to see work as a source of a psychological well-being, stress, and unhappiness.
0: So so listening to the answers there, um, it makes me feel as if psychology is built into a lot of how organizations are structured, the systems within organizations, processes. Uh, What I'm wondering is if it's reasonable to say that it's become so mainstream that workers within organizations probably aren't even aware that psychology is underpinning much of what is happening around them. I think psychology does underpin a lot of how managers
3: practice and how uh, work is designed. And I think employees perhaps uh, aren't really aware of this until things go wrong, until things um, are negatively affecting them in their job design or in the way their job experience and their work uh, climate is affecting them. Um, It's only then when things like motivation and poor motivation or uh, poor job satisfaction or poor engagement um, become more well-known, become more obvious. I think when things are going well, maybe psychology is kind of there in the background um, and it's been built for well, decades now into, into job design. So uh, I don't know if it's entirely visible until things start to go wrong. I think related to that maybe is the the tendency to maybe jump on board some of the more trendier uh, psychological uh, theories or, or concepts um, if we look at for example personality again a really, really nice way to simplify what is really complex it's it's how do we how do we simplify uh some the personalities uh within an organization well let's divide them into 16 types it's the uh the mbti test or something like that and uh, you know we've seen that being used and perhaps misused in, in many organizations maybe more so 10 or 20 years ago but it is Uh, a trendy concept we also have concepts like mindfulness as well that's been used to uh, you know fix gaps or fix patches in in worker well-being um, when maybe more simple uh, job design and workload uh, uh, alterations could be could be the answer there yeah I, I
1: completely agree with you I think that many, in many organizations there is a, a great interest in psychology and, and psychological constructs, talents, strengths, motivations, personality types, but there is not always interest, a great interest in scientific evidence. Indeed, that leads to um, organizations embracing all sorts of talents checks, profiles, uh, uh, all unvalidated uh, instruments. And I, I also recognize sometimes the solution to, uh, to opt for a, a training in mindfulness is so much easier than to uh, opt for a, a, a real good analysis of what is causing work stress, for instance,
0: I wonder if this is the right time then to to point us more closely at the HRD piece, having talked about the connection between psychology, work and the workplace. I'm wondering then what's the connection between psychology and HRD? And and in considering that, um, how you see research theory and practice in one influencing the research theory and practice in the other?
1: Well, I see psychology as one of the major theoretical foundations of HRD. And that's not just me. I think also famous HRD scholars like Chalovsky and Swanson have also acknowledged the importance of psychology. And I think, well, of course, psychology has evolved throughout time. And there has there have been many different streams in psychology, but they have all left their traces on HRD practices and also HRD uh, research. So for instance, uh, beginning with uh, the behaviorist uh, psychologist in the beginning of the 20th century, uh, they considered learning as a black box because they but we cannot look into people's heads, what happens. So we can only uh, study behavior. And they also studied how they can make animals, but later also humans, how they can stimulate them to produce the desired behavior by manipulating their environment. And we can still see the influence of this stream in uh, how we set up training today. For instance, how we operationalize the behavior that we would like to see uh, before actually uh, giving the training in, ter- in terms of learning goals. How we try to influence behavior by giving detailed uh, instruction, uh, instruction and also by uh, giving feedback. And then we had more the cognitive psychologists who kind of opened this black box and, and they did look kind of in the head and investigated uh, mental processes, memory and information processing. And we can also still see the influence of this stream in how we try to facilitate learning by reducing cognitive load, for instance, by helping people to organize information, uh, by activating their frame of reference, or by asking them questions to help them actively processing the information. And also when it comes to learning in groups, research, for instance, often takes a cognitive perspective by focusing on how team members kind of function as a brain together uh, with team members, acquiring information, then bringing that information to the team, sharing that with the other team members, making sense of it and store it in their kind of virtual uh, memory. Then we had, for instance, social learning theory by Bandura and that kind of st- this theory stressed the importance of modeling as a very important source of learning. And we can also still see the influence of this stream. And for instance, how we think about mentoring, how it's important that learners should identify with, with the model uh, that it's best if there are different models. And also in the importance of people's self-efficacy. Um, Then we had experiential learning that kind of comes back into HRD in in how we facilitate learning in the workplace uh, by a combination of doing the job and helping someone to reflect on it. And for instance, also in how we think about coaching as a method to facilitate reflection. And there is also the stream of humanistic psychology uh, which kind of uh, sees, uh, consider humans' intrinsic motivation to grow. And we can see that back in the emphasis on facilitating learning in organizations instead of teaching. So, if the right circumstances are there and people's needs are fulfilled, so for instance, their needs for autonomy, relatedness, and competence. Uh, people will start to learn on their own initiative. Me personally, I'm really um, active in the field of positive psychology, and positive psychology is concerned with people's well-being and their optimal performance and people's positive traits and states. And this uh, made me really aware that in organizations, we often approach learning and development from a deficit approach so we start by making this analysis of okay what are you good at what are you not so good at okay what you're good at already that's not so interesting anymore but let's focus on what you're not good at yet and let's try to develop that by using coaching and training And positive psychology gives gives a theoretical framework to kind of turn that around. Well, maybe also to um, make people more motivated for their own developmental processes, because it really ties in with what is important for them and because it builds on their qualities.
2: Uh, When it comes to the connection between psychology and uh, HLD, uh, I'd like to talk a little bit about the frame, a lens to view the world. I think psychology gives us a frame in research theory and practice. Uh, That being said, a frame is a foundational context, as Miriam said, a context for understanding or interpretation. We do not look at an event and then apply a frame to it Rather, we see the world and the phenomena itself through our pre-existing frames. Psychology, in the sense, gives us various lens. It provides a lens looking at the basic human resource development functions within organizations, for example, as the way leadership is developed, how employees are trained and developed, and the measurement of employee uh, job performance. Another lens we might uh, look at uh, uh, is the psychological processes underlying work behavior such as the motivation to work and the employee engagement job satisfaction and employees stress and upon art and so forth in addition, there is another lens on group processes I, I'd like to highlight here in the workplace, including the relationship between workplace supervisors and the subordinates, and how team or work group coordinates to get uh, the job done. Some psychology theories take the broader uh, picture, including the structure of work organizations and organization culture, how the social and the psychological environments affect individual behaviors. That relationship between psychology and uh, uh, HLD emphasizes the psychological aspect of a human beings at work and it therefore provides the intellectual foundations for HLD literature.
3: Yeah, I think psychology really puts the, the human back into human resource development. I I think it's also really interesting to look at how HRD then influences psychology to some extent. So almost like, you know, the parent teaches the child, but also the child teaches the parent a, a little bit as well. You know, I look at diversity training in my work, and one thing that we see with diversity training is the reluctance on some people's behalf to engage in diversity training and in some cases they outrightly resist uh, diversity training and so we can look at that through the lens of psychology through the looking at the concept of reactance that resistance to anything that seemed to be uh, or perceived to be impinging on one's free will and diversity training is sometimes seen as that so psychology there is helping us with our organizational development through HRD and um, but also HRD is helping us to uh, expand our notion of reactance and to expand our notion of how reactance manifests in organizations uh, with this case of of diversity training.
1: Yeah, related to that, so how did HRD influence psychology? I think psychologists tend to have less of an eye for particular contexts. So is it a Profit or non-for-profit organization? What is the economic situation? So in my view, HRD brings in the attention for context, uh, maybe also for more diverse research methods. Like I said, psychologists are very much focused on measuring psychological constructs, using statistics to figure out relationships. And HLD researchers come from a wider variety of backgrounds and also bring in different research methods.
2: Well, I did a content analysis and um, bibliometrics uh, 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 in HLD literature before. Uh, literature in HLD reveals uh, four major topics related to psychology. Uh, the first one is individual differences, personality. And the second one is a job attitude, employee engagement and um, organizational justice and the w- work and motivation. These topics highlighted the importance of incorporating mental processes into the understanding of a work. That is the mental processes on how work is experienced and conceptualized. So uh, uh, the personality shows that there is uh, the several empirical evidence that individual uh, work performance is uh, uh, closely related to uh, personality in some category and um, job attitudes is another category we may consider in the understanding of uh, the psychology. One of the most researched topic recently in human research development is, is uh, uh, the employee engagement. Employee engagement is received much attention by scholars and the practitioners alike because it is uh, uh, intuitive to believe that engagement affects job performance. The work motivation is another uh, dominant area of a psychology in HLD literature. Um, In contrast to economic theorizing or human resource management, psychological perspective emphasizes that the importance of uh, intrinsic uh, rewards or intrinsic motivation. So these are the topics uh, uh, in dominant in HLD uh, literature related to, to psychology.
3: I think another key uh, advantage of psychology is that it's given us a shared words, shared concepts, shared phrases and shared ways of talking about these particular concepts, which aren't, you know, unknown to us before we learn about psychology. It's, it's not like something like, like immunology, where we, we discover that there's germs or there's, there's bacteria or there's viruses, um, you know, pre-psychology as we know today. People had uh, knowledge of this. They had intuitive knowledge of, of different uh, psychological concepts like motivation and job satisfaction and and and, and engagement. Uh, it's just we didn't have a shared um, a shared vocabulary, a shared way of talking about that. Um, and so, going back to what Marianne was saying about about that scientific approach to to, to measuring these different concepts and these different constructs, um, that's one of the key aspects of psychology is that it's it's made these more available and understandable to, to a wider audience and has made that a shared concept and a shared understanding.
0: We'll be back in a moment with more from Caleb, Kieran, and Marianne as we dig deeper into the relationship between HRD and psychology. First, though, here's an important reminder that this episode is brought to you thanks to the wonderful sponsorship support of the Board of the Academy of Human Resource Development, which encourages you to consider joining and becoming a member. AHRD is a professional home, a place to learn, teach, and share, a space to research, publish, and present, a network of scholars, teachers, researchers, and practitioners to connect and to apply the art and science of human resource development to change organisations and transform the world through human flourishing. With almost 500 members, AHRD is a global organisation made up of, governed by and created for the human resource development scholarly community of academics and reflective practitioners. Membership includes online access to four peer-reviewed, world-class journals, two decades of conference proceedings with cutting-edge research and thought leadership, and much more. To learn all about becoming a member of AHRD, visit the Member Central page at ahrd.org. Right, let's return to our discussion for the second half of the episode. Welcome back to our episode on HRD and psychology, where I'm joined by Caleb seung Han of the University of Georgia, Kieron McFadden of Edinburgh Napier University, and Marianne von Vierkum of Erasmus University, Rotterdam. Already we've discussed what's meant by the term psychology and also the relationship between psychology and HRD. And so I'd like to start off this second part of the episode by digging deeper into that relationship. And specifically, I'm wondering about what extent HRD looks the way it does, because we've emphasized certain aspects of psychology over others. And then also perhaps whether HRD could look different if we emphasize other aspects of psychology in the future.
2: Well, uh, psychology plays a critical role in uh, human resource development. Uh, it helps us uh, at all levels of organization select support, motivate, and train employees, and develop organizations too. It also helps us uh, build a better workplace and foster uh, organization culture. Psychology provides distinctive uh, ways to identify training and development needs, increase employee performance and implement policies proven to attract and retain the key talent. The ultimate goal of psychology, I believe in HLD, is to explain organizational behavior, but the studies showed that behavior could not be explained without taking into account people's thoughts and feelings. Personality, job attitude, and work motivation are good examples. We learned that uh, uh, individuals often hold divergent uh, views of uh, react in different ways to the situation in the same object or idea. Psychology principles explaining that the effect of any stimulus depends on how individuals and groups interpreted it. The way we look different, I think, is an emphasis on the effects of uh, social relations and the importance of uh, interdependency in organizations. Understanding this social aspect of a psychology can help us comprehend why people act that way they do. And it may also help solve important problems we face today in organizations. HLD virtually occurs within a social context. HLD is not shaped simply by economic change, or individual differences, but also by the social structure and the relations that is by a set of norms and social exchange and socially constructed relations, which determine what is acceptable and what is possible in organizations. In the sense, HLD does not only provide learning opportunity or psychological satisfaction, but also shaping social status and building social relations. HLD is an activity that requires a human interaction within social relations and a networks of individuals. In this way, HLD can be conceptualized as social interactions and socially constructed relations. HLD can be seen not as something that people simply do, but as a societal creation that positions us in the structures of a systems by defining social relations and access to learning resources. For example, uh, social exchange approach emphasizes the consequences of uh, seeing work as a set of uh, interpersonal interactions. We could focus on the role of social networks, relations, especially norms, in shaping work choices and behaviors seen as a critical for understanding HLD. As embedded in, uh, in a complex social phenomena in which uh, uh, individuals seek a learning opportunity, developing social status, relations, and social ability in organizations. Uh, well, uh, this way of uh, thinking could provide how HLD looks different beyond our understanding simply general psychology made by atomistic uh, individuals, or as a simply an economic transaction within organizations. Instead, uh, HLD can be seen as a social exchange among uh, various social actors within organizations and systems.
3: I think it would be really interesting to to dig further uh, deeper into that with this idea of the social aspect of psychology and how social psychology can influence our, our ideas on, on on learning in the organization specifically, because when we think of learning, we, you know, we think of Cobb's learning cycle, and we think of all these different theories of learning, and the motivations to learn, it's always very much at the individual level, it's always very much about how the individual takes in information, why they take in the information, um, the cognition involved in that, and then if they use that, if there's learning transfer. But social uh, social learning has also been looked at somewhat in organizations, and I think we could go a bit deeper in that um, in, in future HRD research and psycho- psychological research to see uh, the different aspects of, of of social life on learning, in individual learning in organizations. Uh, we've looked at social learning to some extent. We've also looked at the mentoring relationship and seen... If your mentor looks or has the same profile as you, does that impact on your learning? So we're kind of scratching the surface there. But I think that's something that we could look at in more depth later on, especially thinking about psychology and think about the whole realm of social psychology. Uh, I'm not sure if we have completely used that to the greatest extent as HRD researchers and practitioners uh, that we could.
0: So, so Marion, much of your research is focused in on positive psychology. When you take a look at HRD and its use of psychology, do you feel like HRD has made as much use of positive psychology as it could have done? No,
1: I I don't. (laughs) Also myself, I, I am or was also guilty of that. We have looked at learning so much from the perspective The perspective of trying to fix things, trying to improve weaknesses, improve deficits, simply repair and the whole thought of, well, what is still not right and how can we repair that, which is also a very rational approach. So it's totally understandable. And I think that approach is still dominant in HRD. And therefore we have tended to overlook that, well, in order to facilitate motivation for learning. It's it's really important to know what kind of person you have in front of you and what are the typical traits and, and the typical strengths and interests of that person. And then take that as the starting point of a learning process Instead of taking already made learning goals, already on the shelf learning material and, and feed that to people and, and, well, kind of expect them to swallow it.
0: When you take a look at some of the core processes and models within HRD, much of them do assume that there is a, a deficit, a A gap between what we have and what we need to have and hrd figures out the best way of filling that gap and and i can understand why it takes that approach but it also feels like it's missing a possible and which is and how can we adopt positive psychology to also help people to build on the strengths that they already have
1: yeah yeah i i completely agree i think this HR, this whole gap approach is very dominant in HRD and, and maybe in also in other if you look broader, also in HR research that is also very much focused on well preventing failure, preventing mistakes, managing risks, etc. Instead of, and I mean if you prevent people from becoming burnout, that doesn't mean that they will thrive. It's, it's not the same. So yeah, we can see that, that same bias also in, in the broader HR field, I, I think.
2: And um, particularly uh, after COVID-19, we experienced a lot of anxiety and depressions in the workplace. And in that sense, that reminds me of that, yeah. what is the end point of HLD? Uh, uh, is that uh, the performance or learning improvement? Well, uh, we needed to think about or switch our perspective toward uh, taking a, a approach of a positive psychology, uh, more focusing on the positive events or influences in our life. For example, positive experiences like uh, uh, joy or inspiration and happiness or positive states in the organization Uh, resilience or compassion toward the community or the the organization and groups uh, and um, uh, building a positive institution, like uh, uh, positive principles within the system, uh, within the uh, entire organization. So that's the thing uh, we have to consider
0: uh, uh, nowadays. So, So we've talked a lot then about the relationship between psychology and HRD. And I'm wondering now if we if we put that together and, and look at how psychology and HRD can work together and specifically how psychology could help HRD to address some of the major challenges that organizations are facing over the next few years.
1: I think there are many uh, challenges, but let, let me just highlight a few of them, such as, for, for instance, the well-being of workers that is under pressure. Uh, We have the aging work population and we need people to work longer. Uh, Still many, in in spite of the shortages on the labor market, still many people are being excluded from entering uh, the labor market. And we have huge environmental challenges. So, Focusing on the well-being of workers, well, we we know that many people suffer from psychological complaints or uh, burnout. And, well, a psychological theory, such as self-determination theory, which is already quite old, that has taught us that people have basic psychological needs that need to be fulfilled in order to feel well. And also in order to feel intrinsically motivated for their development. So if a job doesn't make a worker feel competent and related to others and also autonomous, then this will probably in the end have a negative impact on the mental health of the worker. And I think that self-determination theory provides kind of a lens to look at the jobs that organizations are offering and, and can help to stimulate organizations to maybe just make better jobs. And there's also a role for the workers themselves, I think. We can also teach them to use strategies to fulfill their own needs. Then the challenge of the aging work population, we do need to keep all the workers in the workforce. So therefore, we need to understand how their motives change uh, when people age. And a theory like social-emotional selectivity theory can, can help to understand how people's motives change when they age. Uh, and this theory proposes that Uh, because older adults are more likely to perceive their future time as more limited, they therefore prioritize goals that maximize present effective outcomes. So they want to experience positive emotional states and meaningfulness right now. And I think it's also important to stress that this does not mean that older people all the workers are no longer interested in learning and uh, development, but they do have a need to play to their strengths and interests because this generates these positive, effective outcomes. And then regarding the inclusion uh, on the labor market. Uh, We see that that there are large groups of vulnerable workers who are still excluded. So people with disabilities, uh, migrant workers, and so on. And that is also because they suffer from various stereotypes. And actually, they may come to believe in those stereotypes themselves. So there is a kind of self-fulfilling prophecy. And then there is labeling theory that explains how uh, people's identity and their uh, behaviors can really be influenced by the terms that are used to classify them. So if we classify people as, well, they have disabilities, they have autism, etc., well, that, that has a very different impact than when, for instance, instead we label them by their strengths. So if if it's more a a habit in organizations to label people based on their positive qualities and not just vulnerable workers, no, everyone that also generates a a feeling like yeah, everyone is different. Also, everyone has uh, different qualities. And lastly, we are uh, facing huge environmental issues. So we really need to think how we can motivate organizations and workers for more sustainable behaviors. And then here is positive psychology again. And for instance, there is the broaden and build theory by Barbara Fredrickson, uh, which proposes that positive emotions have a kind of broadening effect Uh, Almost literally that people, when they experience uh, positive emotions, they literally open up and have a wider outlook uh, on the world. And therefore, they might have the potential to stimulate people to look beyond, okay, what is good for me?
3: Uh, I would pick up on what Marianne was saying about the the inclusion of, of, of marginalized and vulnerable groups. Uh, And I think this is actually just from from my own research and from my own reading, I think this is something of a challenge that's going to, that's happening right now and it's going to get bigger and bigger if it's not um, addressed is the, I suppose, the role of the organization within social justice and within uh, inclusion on a broader societal sense, kind of in the same way that we're now looking towards organizations um, in terms of the environment and their environmental responsibility, we're now increasingly looking at organizations from a social justice point of view. So uh, after the peak of BLM and after the peak of the Me Too movement, uh, that has prompted us to start to look at organizations a bit more cynically and look at them a little bit more critically in the role that they play within social justice. And then we have the rise of Generation Z um, who are very much more socially aware and socially active than even just the millennial generation before them. So I think there is... A growing expectations that organizations have to uh, be involved in social justice campaigns and social justice awareness and that's something that psychology can really lend its hand to and and hrd kind of uh, uh, together psychology telling us about uh, stigma exploring stigma exploring unconscious bias or conscious bias um, and looking at the mechanisms of exclusion on a psychological sense and a, a an interpersonal sense and then hrd is this kind of facilitator of this learning and uh, within organizations and we might not be able to change those who would be biased or those who would be discriminatory but we could at least change those who weren't aware of that beforehand and aware of the different aspects in which bias and exclusion marginalization and, and, and hatred uh, manifest within organizations and outside organizations so I think that's another challenge that's coming along and I think it's one that HOD and psychology are both Really, really well suited towards uh, ameliorating.
2: I think Marion and Karen uh, pointed out uh, so many great things about the uh, implications of a psychology approaches in uh, HLD. But um, at the time, uh, the point of time we faced the post coronavirus phase, it is obvious that uh, COVID nineteen reshaped the workplace and the, the way we work. The boundary of psychology in HLV stretches well beyond the, the uh, physical domain of the workplace because many of the other factors may influence the work behavior. For example, lockdown and enforced remote working came to the forefront of the, uh, the critical factors such as uh, work-life balance and uh, family responsibility, cultural influences, or Uh, employment-related registrations and non-work emergency. Even more significant is that we have to be concerned about the uh, effect of work on non-work behaviors. Psychology may help us concentrate on the uh, reciprocal impact of work on life and the life on our work. So uh, with multiple thoughts of uh, psychology in HLD, it is attempting to ask which thought is right or which one is the best. So, by crafting a comprehensive integration of the diverse conceptualizations of HLD, psychology provides a rich foundation for this critical discourse. Uh, in a macro level, how a pandemic like COVID nineteen uh, influences the organizational learning, leadership, and organizational development. In a mac- micro level. How employee well-being is achieved by HRD policies, or how informal or incidental learning are uh, motivated in the workplace. As I
0: listen there, I'm thinking about the the potential that there is therefore for HRD and psychology to to work together, and for HRD to leverage more psychology. As it does that, my guess is is that HRD practitioners are going to find themselves in a position where they have to determine which are the right tools, instruments and methods to actually be able to do that and, and how to distinguish between those that are valid and those, as, as Kieran mentioned earlier, that are potentially just fads. So I'm wondering what your advice would be for HRD professionals on on how to to go about doing that in the future, how to ensure that the psychology tools, instruments, and methods have actually been validated by research and theory. So I think there's
3: kind of three main dimensions to, to the use of tools or instruments or certain methods within organizations. I mean, first of all, we have the the aim and how well it reaches that aim, this method or this intervention, is it valid, like you say? Uh, but then, uh, as I said uh, earlier, and as Marianne and, and Caleb were talking about, there is this aspect of, of political pressure as well, of, of the politics of the organization. So HRD professionals don't always exist in this bubble where they have this utmost authority to, to choose whichever method or tool that, that they want to use. There could be pressure or at least very strong suggestions from their, from their bosses who aren't in the HRD department, but who are used to using a certain tool or, or having some kind of certain um, construct in mind. Um, so there's the political pressure as well. And then you have the experiential aspect um, of, of actually doing the, the, the test or, or being involved in the learning intervention. Um, you know, is it, is it fun? Is it, is it boring? You know, th- th- those different types of aspects of the, the individual's experience of, of, of taking part. And so you have this kind of quagmire, this uh, murkiness of these conflicting goals and aims that then impact on the HRD professional's ability to objectively assess or, or validate the tools and methods that are used. Um, so, for example, if you go back to the MBTI, uh, a lot of people would critique either rightly or wrongly the assumption that there's predictive validity, that if you ha- have some kind of archetype, or you're identified as some kind of archetype, then you will act or be some kind of way um, and that you will get involved in certain activities or certain careers. Um, and, and the MBTI uh, would say that there's, the you know, that's not the point of this. It's just stimulate conversations. But there is that stereotype or that idea that that's what it's for. Uh, there's also the 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 uh, criticism that it represents aspects of personality as, as bimodal so a binary so you're extrovert or introvert rather than a spectrum where we have ambiverts and or you know the the the, the shades of gray in between uh, but of course the mbti is very very much in vogue it's it's been popular for for decades now so there could be some management pressure there there could be some kind of um idea well this big uh, management consulting company are doing it so we should do it as well uh, but overall it's kind of fun to do as well so going back to the experiential aspect of doing the test it is interesting and it is really fun to find out which of these 16 archetypes you are and what your personality is based on this on this uh, test uh, and you get a chance to talk about yourself for a while so so that's always good uh, so in that sense the individual factors and the organizational factors are almost eclipsing the stated purpose and finding out if the MBTI is 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 effective within organizations and does it have some kind of validity. Uh, and then another example, if we look at something like unconscious bias training or EDI workshops, some are really, really effective and, and good and some are really poor and they, they don't do what, what they're meant to do. And that's kind of unsurprising given that these are relatively new interventions um, and again, very much in vogue over the last couple of years. So there could be some management pressure involved there ensuring that these interventions are done either from a place of this is important to do from a social justice aspect or this is important to do so we can then say that we have done this in a kind of a cynical box ticking exercise so again management pressure the politics of all of this learning intervention impacting on us being able to critically assess whether whether it is valid and so then to answer the question how do we ensure that there's validity and consistency I think that all of this, uh, these potentially distorting factors really make us consider using uh, IO uh, psychology researchers or HRD researchers more in organizations. So in the same way that we would bring an economist or a management scholar to consult within organizations, we could bring in uh, someone with a psychology background or, or a HRD uh, research background. And that's done, of course, in certain areas, but it's usually at the very, very upper end with large organizations with a lot of money. And I wonder, would that be useful or valuable to bring in more of these uh, consultant scholars uh, in the psychology space or, or in the HRD space who can more objectively assess the validity or the usefulness of, of the, the interventions that are being used um, so that they can then um, they can bypass all these politics and all these uh, individual aspects of the, the organization uh, learning interventions. But then for HRD professionals trying to get rid of all this quagmire of, of, of uh, politics and, and uh, experiential aspects, as well as partnering up with these researchers, they can be aware that learning um, and, and other aspects of HRD, just like anything, is, is a political process. And just being aware of that and then taking a more critical stance, hopefully as a result, will allow them to be have a bit more detachment in the choice of the interventions in how it's delivered, and then hopefully the evaluation of those interventions in a more objective um, uh, and critical detached manner.
1: I I think we still need to try to tell HRD professionals and managers more about psychology, psychological measurement, and and the importance of reliability and validity. And that, that many of the tests that they use like MBTI, but also several strengths tests, they are not valid, but it, still, it, it does appeal to their needs. And, and we need to explain, I think, that the fact that you may recognize yourself in a, in a strengths profile or in the result of your MBTI test, um, that doesn't mean that it's it's valid. Um, because you might recognize, and in the same way, you might also, if you read your horoscope, you might also recognize several things, but then other things totally do not apply. Maybe researchers are also partly guilty. We Sometimes we develop such complex measures that are also very long and very time consuming. And we might also help HRD uh, professionals by listening more to their concerns, responding more to their needs for short measures. And several long measures have already been translated into short measures, and, and they are still reliable and valid. So that's also important.
2: That's a great point. Uh, the, let me take an example of uh, uh, my experience in South Korea. The many Korean companies that take uh, uh, the MBTI test or personality test uh, for the new employees uh, uh, entrance. So when they get into the company, uh, they have to take uh, the personality test like uh, MBTI and or B5 test, and then they are categorized into specific uh, uh, the groups. And then the belief uh, in South Korea is that, uh, uh, particularly in collectivism culture, uh, the cohesiveness or uh, similarity makes uh, uh, the stronger organization or, or group. Uh, but uh, the thing is that uh, I found that um, that's wrong. The difference makes it better, uh, or diversity makes it better. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, to take an example of my personal experience with uh, a personality test, uh, the, my, uh, the rank four can be different from others ranking four. When they uh, take the, uh, the number four or five, um, maybe it is a different strength of uh, anchor of uh, different individuals. So when I categorize as uh, some statistic group, when they get into, when I get into the group, and um, I feel like uh, the, that is, uh, I, found that that of, uh, I found that lots of a similarity, but actually I found lots of differences between individuals. But the thing is that that performance came out from the differences and the diversity. So uh, so uh, uh, we have to take uh, uh, the different idea of going uh, better the weeks of a tie. Sometimes the uh, diversity and the differences makes a better performance, or
0: better results. Well, unfortunately, we've run out of time for today's conversation. My thinking is we could probably talk about psychology and HRD for a lot longer, so we may have to keep the rest for a, a, a later episode. But I've really enjoyed our time together. Thank you, all three of you, for being a part of the episode and for exploring HRD and psychology.
1: You're welcome.
0: Good to talk to you all.
2: Thank you very much. Thank you for having me.
0: Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode. It was wonderful spending time with Caleb Seung-hyun Han, Kieran McFadden and Marianne von Wirkham. If you enjoyed this episode, check out all of our others. There were 22 episodes in the first two seasons and we're releasing a further 11 here in the third. Between them, they provide access to conversations with over 75 leading HRD scholars from around the world. New episodes release weekly. To learn more about the series, check out hrdmasterclass.com. And to learn about the Academy of Human Resource Development, check out ahrd.org. By becoming a member, you can access extra bonus materials. Also, don't forget to look into our sponsors, the Department of Technology, Leadership and Communication in the Purdue School of Engineering and Technology at IUPUI by visiting their website at et.iupui.edu slash departments slash TLC. I'm looking forward to being with you in our next episode when we're exploring the relationship between HRD and STEM with the help of Dr. Hannah Love of Divergent Science, Dr. Alina Waite of Indiana State University, and Dr. Jill Zarestki of Colorado State University. Until then, this is Darren Short signing off from the Human Resource Development Masterclass. Human Resource Development Masterclass podcast is brought to you by the Academy of Human Resource Development and is a production of allbypodcast.com.